Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. The blessings that the Bible talks about, so many people in the church at that time weren't seeing those manifested. So he did some studying and then came up with 10 things that um, this many years since that book has been written, we're going, well, yeah, I know that. And yet I realized that I know that because so many years ago I was taught that. So I wanted to say, okay, I'm going to go over this again and talk about why pastor said these things, how they manifest in our life, and what we can do about it so that we can receive everything that Jesus Christ paid the price for. Let me open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have given us your, your blueprint for life, our instructions for how to live, how to walk, and how to have the fullness that your son, Jesus Christ, paid the price for us to have. Anoint my words today, Heavenly Father, and let each person here in the building this morning or listening to this later on on the podcast, receive exactly the message that they need to hear. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, glad you're all here. I'll give you the three points, and that'll keep me on track. So you'll, you'll say, wait a second, what about that point? <laughs> the, we know from the teaching of uh, dear Charles Caps that uh, there's power in the tongue. So that's the first one we're going to look at. And then... In Hebrew, it's uh, Lashon Hara, which means the evil tongue. That's the second one. And then the third one is the high cost of anger. The high cost of anger. Yvonne, usually during the week, sees some of my notes. And I'm sure that when she saw the book today with these three different colored markers on all the pages, she's going, oh, my gosh, how much is she going to (laughs) teach? But I've, I've condensed it down. And I said, okay, we can get through this material quickly, and I think it'll be applicable from the time we walk out the door. First of all, the number one way a curse can come in our life and block our blessings is the words that we speak, but listen to this, to ourselves and others. To ourselves and others. So that curse is our thought life. If you've ever heard me teach before, you know that I say that 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 voice in our head that we think is us, the devil talks to us in our voice. And so, so many times when people have taken a wrong turn and gone in a cul-de-sac on their life choices, it's because the devil put a thought in their mind, they accepted it, and then they ran down that track with it. That's how offenses happen so often. The devil will put something in your mind and you're going, well, yeah, why did she say that to me? Why did she do that? And the thought would have never come into your own mind, but Satan spoke it to you. And so you grabbed a hold of it. So from this point on, realize every thought that goes through your brain is not necessarily generated from you. And if that thought does not line up with the word of God, then you cancel it. This week on Facebook, there was a post that said, every time you say a negative thing, or like specifically for your children, when one child says a negative thing to the other child, they have to repeat three nice things in order to cancel out that negative. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good way to do life. So if you've got a negative thought that runs into your brain, then you speak out loud three positive thoughts. 
that's how I've pretty much been living my life the last few years. It sometimes makes us appear to be a little bit, um, how shall I say it, out of touch with reality. And I say, praise God. I don't want to be in touch with the reality and circumstances of this world. I want to live above my circumstances and above the reality and claim the promises of God and push forward to have that happen and manifest in my life. So the first curse that's going to come is your thought life. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you want things manifested in your life, then you need to start thinking about them and watching them manifest. The next piece that I have here. In Revelations, Revelations 12, verses 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our good day and night, has been cast down. And everybody said amen on that one. (laughs) And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Pastor Tiz recently flew into town. Um, She had a doctor's appointment. The whole family is on vacation at their their cabin. And so she flew in one day and then flew out the, the next so that she could have her doctor's appointment. And she was talking about when she taught at Ladies' Night Out. I don't know how many of you were at that event, Ladies' Night Out. It was probably one of the most open and honest sharings that she has done. First of all, it was all women. So she felt comfortable talking about things that she may not be comfortable about talking in the pulpit. But she talked about the challenge that she had to make sure that her words and her thoughts lined up with the word of God. And then... As she's in the car and I'm driving her to the airport, she said something very strange. She said, you know, sometimes I get tired of telling my story. And I'm thinking, it's a brand new story. How can you be tired of telling it? And then I realized, oh, my gosh, she tells it every time she's in a grocery store. She tells it on television, on their, on their television program. Every time she has a speaking engagement, they want to hear that. In fact, our um, marketing department told me that when they... Uh, edited little snippets from her ladies' night out and from her sermon and then put it on social media. Uh, Those are some of the highest watched and commented on postings on social media. So that tells us that the world is hungry for our good news. Now, it says right here in Revelation, the the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So if that's so important, then I need to make sure that my thought life is good and that my confessions are good and that I don't add anything to the miracle that God did, but I don't take anything away from it either. I don't think Pastor Larry has that um, same tiredness for telling the testimony because we've been with him now for over 20 years and I still get excited when he talks about his salvation experience. And every time I think, Lord, someone brand new is hearing and receiving faith in their spirit because they're saying, if God could do it for him, he can do it for me. If God could pull him out, he can do it for me. One more piece on this thought life. Um, This kind of challenged my theology, but I know the man so well, and it's like it has to be the truth, and, well, God can do everything. Sometimes we pray for our relatives, for our friends. We don't see a manifestation of salvation or anything going on in their life. 
And Rafael Cruz was recently with us. And I don't know whether he said it from the pulpit or whether he said it in the back office. But when he left Cuba and came to the United States, I mean, he escaped. It was truly an escape. And when he landed here in America, he, by his own word, he was a smoker and he was an alcoholic. And he said that one day he bought a very expensive uh, box of um, cigars for a friend of his. And he said they were the kind that come in a glass case with a special wrapper on it. He said he took that glass case, the wrapper off, and took it out of its glass case. And his friend lit the friend's cigar, and then the friend lit Raphael's cigar. And about halfway through the cigar, when he took a big long drag on it, he said it tasted like burning rope. And it just upset him and made him sick. And that completely delivered him from smoking. Now, I'm going, hallelujah, praise the Lord, as he's sharing that until I hear him say, and that was before I was saved. Hello? (laughs) That rattled my theology a bit. It's like, huh. Somehow in my mind, I always felt like they had to walk down that aisle and say the sinner's prayer and, and be discipled before they could be delivered. Evidently not. We are handpacked by God for the assignment that he has for us on earth. And God handpacked Rafael Cruz, born in Cuba, in prison, beaten, escaping, coming to the United States, and got him delivered of smoking. So I'm still rattling around on that one. And then Rafael goes to his next story. And says, in fact, I was out drinking with some of my friends. And he said, unfortunately, most often I drank too much. And he said, and I had a beer, and he said, it was a specialty brand that we really enjoyed. And he said, I was halfway through my beer, and we were having a conversation, and he said, and I took another sip, and he said, it was the most putrid tasting. He said, my whole body just shuddered. And he said, I was instantly delivered from alcoholism. And that was before he was saved. So that tells me that perhaps when I look at circumstances, and in my mind, I'm just bemoaning things that are going on, God is already at work. And maybe before they ever set foot in the church, ever say a salvation prayer, God is shaking off things off their life because he's called them. They have a purpose. There's a reason for them to be there. So I'm going to stop in my mind thinking about those things like, oh, Lord, you've got to help them. I speak deliverance into their life. I bind this. I bind that. And yes, we should bind. And yes, we should speak. But I'm no longer going to have that emotional attachment to it that goes, oh, no, I'm, you can't be here if you're on the podcast, but there's shaking their heads. Yes. In the audience. So we also know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I think what God is trying to say to us is, Hey, family speak and think on what you want and then walk in joy. Don't worry. Don't look at your time frame. Look at my time frame and have the confidence that it's going to happen. So the first curse that blocks the blessing is your thought life and your words. The next one, and I hate even to call it gossip because that sounds so ugly. I just don't like that word. But let's take a look at it this way. How often do we say out loud the truth of circumstances, but it's a truth with a small T? And what God is hoping, planning, demanding that we do is speak the truth with a capital T, which is his truth. (laughs) Even this morning, there were some of the kids at our camp um, who, when they came back, they had been diagnosed with COVID. And 
all of a sudden, rumors were you know, flying everywhere about you know how many people were sick and what was happening and so forth. It's like, no, 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 no. Yes, this person is sick, but it's not COVID. This person was tested, it's not COVID. Yes, these parents were tested and they did have COVID, but none of the kids did, and the parents caught it from over here. It's like, okay, we we somehow naturally with our flesh gravitate to the <gasps> words that are spoken to us. So let's today, I mean, if, if every one of us that's in, in this classroom right now or listening to the podcast, if you would stop some of the <gasps> around you, and I'm not talking about the good, that's great, but some of the, oh my gosh, stuff, we can stop the evil tongue. The first time that I heard Pastor Larry teach about gossip actually being the sin of murder, and I thought, no, wait a second, that's a bit harsh. And then it's like, no, 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 no. As we gossip about someone, we are killing their future. We are saying things about them that block blessings, good things that are supposed to be coming into their life. And the hardest part for me to understand and swallow is, and that's going to happen in my life too. I need to watch what I say. Probably one of the places that gossip happens the most, and it's, it's, sad, but is in the church community because we have prayer requests, which is why Pastor Larry is always saying, what are you believing for? What can I agree with you in prayer? So that the words that are coming out of your mouth and I say, yes, we agree that there is going to be abundance in your business. Thank you, Father, that you are blessing her and her home, her children, her family, her extended family. We're speaking all the positive words rather than listening to the negative words that come to us. When the pastors get together to pray, we don't go over the circumstances. We have a a funeral that's happening on Monday. And um, when that word was sent out, it's like, you know, please keep brother so-and-so in prayer. His mother's gone home to be with the Lord. The service is such and such a time. And so there's no, oh, my gosh, ain't it awful, attached to it. It was all fact, but it started out with keep brother so-and-so in prayer. As you are asking for prayer or having other people ask you for prayer, don't listen to all of the, say, how can I agree with you in prayer? What are you believing for? And at this season of my life, looking back, I am absolutely shocked at how many people don't know what they're believing for. All they know is the circumstances that they've been rehearsing for years and years and years and years. And then he said, and then I said, and then I found out, and then he said, and then I said, and then he found out. They've said it so many times that it's just absolutely entrenched in their brain, the trauma of circumstances. If you happen to be one of those, (laughs) just say, Father, I repent for digging a trench in my brain. I, I rebuke it. I choose no longer to have that thought come in. And Father, any time that it does, then I'm going to start praising you. I'm going to retrain my brain. It does make for an easier way to go through life. You realize that not everything that happens to you is because someone's out to get you. You realize that people are just doing the best they can with what they have to work with. It's not necessarily that they're trying to trip you up. It's just that they're having a bad day. So bless them. Don't pick up the offense. And they just keep right on walking. The scripture that it had for this one about the evil tongue... It says, gossip may not physically kill anyone, but it's still murder. So let me give you some references. 
2 Corinthians 12, verse 20. For I fear lest when I come, I shall find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfishness, ambition, backbiting, whispering. Who in the world is he talking to? Must be one of those gangs in his hometown. No, he's talking to the church. (laughs) So he's saying, please don't let me find you like that. Please don't let me find you being upset by circumstances. Please don't let me find you accepting every uh, possible motive that the, the devil has to put you off track. This is one of the curses that blocks your blessing. Gossip. Evil tongue. Not controlling what you're saying, how you're saying it, and who you're saying it to. Now you say, okay, I'm not going to walk around like I have fairy dust in my brain. There are some things that are harsh. Absolutely there are. Absolutely. Please please pray for the family who's going to be burying the mother this coming Monday. They know that she's home in heaven. And they rejoice on her life. They know that they're going to miss her. But they're thankful for the years that they had with her. The legacy that she's leaving. What they taught her. What, what they, how she imparted into their lives and, and her son and her grandsons. See, that's how you talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah, she was a wonderful woman of God. Yes, I see how she spoke into her children's life. I see how her grandchildren have benefited from her being alive. Now, it's, I know it's much easier sometimes to slip over and say, her son is devastated. He does not know how he's going to go on. She's been in his home and he's been caring for her. Those are all truths with a small T. It is circumstances. But why go there? You're blocking your blessing. <laughs> go to the bright side. <laughs> Next verse on this one. Oh, this was a prayer. This is what I marked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this. I'm going to have you <clears throat> pray it after me. Not that I'm accusing any of you of ever gossiping. I'm not doing that. But just to, to make sure that someone in your family or someone you know who might be gossiping, okay? So this is the prayer that uh, Pastor Larry wrote that I think works really, really well. So, Father, I come to you right now. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for the sin of evil talk, of gossip and slander. I repent. Now I come in agreement with the blood of Jesus that the curse is broken and reversed in every area of my life. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was just a prayer too, too good not to pray. And the third one, and there are um, more than three, but we were just going to cover three this morning, <clears throat> is the high cost of anger. The high cost of anger. Sometimes we forget the scripture that says, be angry, but sin not. And I don't think in our society we've really been taught how to be angry but to sin not. So Dr. Caroline Leaf, and if you ever have a chance to read any of her books or watch any of her uh, uh, programs, she's a neuroscientist, and um, she was studying the brain, and all of a sudden technology advanced so much that she could actually photograph how the brain works. And fascinating, it lines up with the Word of God, but let me share this with you. When a stimulus comes in, it enters right about 
up above your eyebrow (laughs) in the center of your forehead. And just for ever so slightly a time, it rests there. And we have the ability to say no and not take it in. Now, isn't that just like God? He created a physical barrier so that we don't have to lap up every jerky thing that comes our way. Amen? Okay. So, anger should stop here. And there is such a thing as righteous anger, but I'll get to that later. And as soon as you back it out, then you can start praying for the individual. Now, until I learned about that almond-shaped thing between my eyes, um, I would have to wait until I got what I call the idiot light on the dashboard. Anger for me always came right in my chest. As soon as something happened, it'd be like, "Mm." some people get it in the back of their neck. Some people get it in their shoulders. Some people get it in their stomach. Just take a second and think, "Where, where do I feel my anger when I get angry? Have you identified it? Okay, I've got two heads nodding, so all right. So that anger, that's not a sin, but how you respond to it is the slippery slope. Depending upon your background, your upbringing, uh, your thought life, most of the time, if you've not been fed the word of God, then you react with that fight. And you believe, because your brain and your thought life reinforces it, that that's you. And that you have to fight. The opposite of that is someone who, by training or life circumstances, whenever they get angry, they immediately shut down. They don't do anything. Both are wrong. Both are sin. When the Bible says, be angry but sin not, it doesn't mean not to do anything. When my daughter was in high school... I think she was a sophomore, and there was an area of town um, that had a beautiful little park. Uh, It was a very small park, and then right next to it was a convenience store. And my daughter was in the car, and we were driving down the road, and I looked over to my left, and I saw a large gang type of, of young men. And there was a stoplight, so I stopped, and now I'm really looking over there, and they are beating up this kid. Now, At that time, I had not gotten control of my justice button. I have a huge need for justice, but I have learned to control that. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at this kid, and without running it through reason, logic, or prayer, I opened my car door at the red light and started running towards that gang of kids, yelling, get away from him, get away from him. Now, my daughter, assuming that I better go with her to take care of her. She opened her door, left it open, and she was running after me. And I'm almost to that gang of young men when I realize, oh, my gosh, these guys are fighting. I'm a woman. I have no weapon whatsoever. I don't even know how to fight. And my daughter is right behind me. Oh, Lord, help me. (laughs) And one of the young men turned around and just looked at me, and I said, get away from him. And he said a few things that normally kids say when they're upset. And... For some reason, out of my mouth fell, do you eat with that filthy mouth? And the other guys laughed, and the kid who was being beat up got up and went into the convenience store. And once that I saw that he was in the convenience store, then I got back in my car. At that point, I started shaking. And that's when I said, okay, Lord, I know that you put a huge justice button inside of me, but give me the discernment to know what to do with it. For crying out loud, I endangered myself. More importantly, I endangered my daughter. 
the young man I greatly embarrassed, an old lady and a high school girl saving him, he was embarrassed. But nonetheless, you can think that you have something that's really good, but if it brings you into circumstances and decisions that aren't healthy for you or, the, or your loved ones, it's not a good button. <laughs> if you're always willing to fight, that's not a good button. If you're always willing to back off and run away, that's not a good button. We're to be right on path. We are to say, Lord, I'm not going to let my anger make me sin. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to bite that, that bait that Satan tried to put in the trap for me to come back. Now, I don't know how your life works, but in my head, oh my goodness, I can create some of the best comebacks. And for years, I actually spoke them. For years, I actually said all the things that when someone said something, whoop, right out it came. They were really good. They were sin. They weren't right. In fact, before we came to New Beginnings, and I was saved, I'm embarrassed to say, uh, in corporate America, I was known for having those one-liners that just shut people and things up. And the gal that was my assistant at that time, she said, you know, if you be careful when you're around Nancy because she'll say something and you think it's funny and you'll turn your head and realize she slipped your throat and it'll fall on your plate. I know, isn't that sad? And I've heard that said and it was like, okay, I don't want that kind of reputation. I had better get control of my thinking and my response. And I would love to say, just like Raphael Cruz, in the middle of a cigar, he was delivered from smoking. In the middle of a beer, he was delivered from drinking. No, it took a long time for me to get that thing under control. <laughs> that flesh did not want to go away. Those patterns in my brain did not want to stop. They wanted to continue having those pithy sentences, those one-liners that just knocked somebody off their feet. But praise God, with his grace and the blood of Jesus, I'm free. Amen? And who would ever think that something like that, an anger problem, that just just words coming out of your mouth would block a blessing? Now, we know when there's abuse in a family, we know that that anger blocks a blessing. And we know that when someone has a problem that everything makes them angry, it's very hard for them to get promoted in work. It's very, very hard for them to have a family that's blessed. It's very hard for them to have a joyful heart. That's the main focus of where we're looking at. And if I were in a larger group, I probably would focus on that. But most of us in this room are saved. We're believers. We've cleaned up half of our pen. Now it's time to clean up the other half so that we can receive the blessings that God has for us. I've got more notes on this section. So a curse can be stopped in the name and by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Below the surface are what we have as tendencies. Those, those are the curses, the fault lines. Um, if any of you have ever been in, in an earthquake, and, you know, they don't just happen randomly. They happen along little cracks that are underneath the surface. Uh, Pastor Lydia was talking today about they had some new carpet installed, and one of the rooms that they put carpet in uh, had a cement floor, and there was a crack in it. And the contractor said, you know, the crack's not that big. <clears throat> However, you do need to get that tree out of the ground because the tree is the one that was causing trouble with their pipes and with that cement floor that was cracking it. That's, that's kind of a fault line, something that could cause a lot of problems later on. Sometimes we're born with that tendency that's 
buried. We really don't know why we have it or why it's manifesting. But that fault line is there, and it causes us trouble. Now, this is the beauty of uh, pastor's teaching on the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. Because when he was bruised, that's a wound on the inside. And that inside wound was there to take care of all the cracks that are underneath the surface. Again, this season of life, looking back, I can see where certain curses have skipped a generation. The dad had it, but the son didn't. But the grandson did. That's just how sneaky Satan is. Perhaps the son realized what was wrong with the dad and decided, I will never do that, and walked a righteous life, and then was shocked to see their child, their beloved, behaving the way that their father had. But those are underneath. Those are things that we don't recognize. And most of the time, there's no real logical reason on why it's there. I mean, most of the things that we have that we know are really bad, we know they're sin. We know why we do them when we decide to repent and march forward. But those fault lines, we don't always know. We don't always understand. And Satan is very clever. He tries to keep them hidden until the most opportune time for you to let fly and block the blessing that God has for you. Anger can keep you from the promised land. I'm not talking about salvation. But if you take a look at the Old Testament and Moses, and I don't blame him for being mad at those children of Israel. (laughs) That was a hard crowd to play to. But Moses didn't always do what God said. A lot of times he you know, yelled or he hit a rock or whatever. And that anger is what kept him from going into his promised land. Now, it didn't stop his salvation. It didn't stop many of his earthly blessings. But he didn't see the full manifestation of what God had created. I don't want any of us to miss what God has destined for you to have. I don't want you to have to say when you get home to heaven, are you kidding me? That's what you planned for me? I want you to be able to live a life, claim the scriptures, do the things this side of heaven that God has for you. Now, life is not perfect. And a lot of believers believe that once they say that salvation prayer, everything is going to be smooth. And that isn't, that's nowhere in the Bible. But God does promise to be with us through it. He does promise to give us peace in the middle of the storm. He does promise to give us a way out. His word says, I will never tempt you beyond beyond what I will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able to withstand. So you don't have to look at somebody else's life and go, oh, I could never stand that. Or I don't know how she can do that. That's not your calling. You're not in that circumstance. He's not going to give you that grace. When you are in that issue, then God's going to give you a grace. When I was getting my healing from cancer, one of the ways of doing that was changing my diet. And I didn't get to eat very much. And when I did eat, it had to be raw. And trust me, I didn't do that on my own, thinking that was clever. I prayed. It's like, Lord, guide my steps, direct me, show me which way to go. I mean, I'm I'm a corporate America gal. I did not want to go to Birkenstock grass-eating people. I wanted to have, okay, God, show me and then help me get there. 
And if he had led me to surgery and radiation and chemo, I would have done that. But he led me away from that on a different path. When I first took a look at what that physician was telling me to eat, it was like, are you kidding me? And I prayed, and it's like, okay, Lord, you brought me to this doctor. You brought me to this clinic. Now give me the the grace to get through this. And he did. And now I look back at that season in my life because it was a three-year season. (laughs) And I go, how did I do that? And I question it today because I'm no longer there. I no longer have that strength, that grace, that anointing to go through it because I don't have to go through it. But when I was there and when I asked God for help, there was grace, there was strength, there was anointing. He gave me clever ideas, like mind tricks. That's what I call them. Um, I love potato chips. I could live on coffee and potato chips if that were good for me. Um, And so the good Lord showed me, okay, Nancy, when you look at a potato chip, I want you to see bugs in there. Like, oh, okay, that'll work. And so it went from potato chips that I liked to chocolate cake to anything that I was no longer able to eat. I would see bugs in there, and that would immediately go, oh, thank you for showing me that, Lord. And I could say no. When you see people walking through a season that is hard, pray for God to give them an anointing and a grace as you're praying for healing, an anointing and a grace so that they can walk through. I grew up in a Baptist church, and um, it's kind of like in the Baptist church, you're born there and you die there. And so my whole life, I saw people graduating home to heaven. And I remember when I got old enough to understand that, you know, marriage, man and a woman, the man goes home to heaven, the woman's left alone. And I asked my mom, how can she still be happy? And my mom wisely said to me, she has an anointing. She didn't use the term anointing. She has an anointing of grace that God gives to women who are single. It's like, huh, okay, so I can't understand it because I'm not a married woman who's single. But if I ever am a married woman who's single, then I'll be able to understand it. And in my young girl mind, it kind of clicked. And it was like, okay, God gives extra protection, extra fortification, extra oomph to the woman, the man of God, when they're in a circumstance that they need that help. It's not forever, but it's during that season. Pray God it's for that season. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it says, therefore... Oh, this is about holding grudges. (laughs) Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. That's Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Now, if God was so serious about us being mad and having anger and and unforgiveness in our life, Don't you suppose that's a pretty important issue? And at different seasons of my life, I've gone through different classes. And, you know, they'll have us close our eyes and, you know, think about people and have we forgiven them. And, you know, I go through and yeah, 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 yeah. And then several years ago after New Beginnings, someone made the statement, is there anybody in your life that if they walked into the room, you would have that tightness in your stomach? Well, brother, that brings up a whole list. And it was God allowing me to have another layer taken away. 
another layer where I could say, yeah, if that person walked into the room, I would have a knot in my stomach. Okay, Lord, that's sin. Forgive me and help me to forgive them. And then Lord dropped a saying that I've had for years, but never connected to this one. They do the best with what they have to work with. People do the best with what they have to work with. They're not out to get us. There's no reason I should hang on to being mad at them or upset with them. In fact, a good believer probably can walk through a very, very dark pit of snakes and have no one know that they're afraid or upset or angry because the love of God will come through us to all of those people. And we're set free. Then we get the blessing and God gets the glory because we certainly know in the natural we couldn't do that. Amen? So high cost of anger, high cost of unforgiveness, High cost of gossip, high cost of words. Like Pastor Larry says, when you light your candles on Shabbat and you agree that you're not going to speak about money or problems with your family just for one day, I don't have the courage to ask you to do it, you know, for a whole day. I'm going to just ask you to do it until the end of church. (laughs) So your assignment is that when something happens and you're going, ugh, Capture that thing. Put it under your feet and say, thank you, Father, that you have given me a new understanding and appreciation. That individual, that piece of equipment, they're doing the best they can with what they have to work with. Thank you, Father, that I am covered by the blood of Jesus and it's not going to affect me and it's certainly not going to block my blessing. Why would I give someone that much power over me and my life and my blessing? Why would I do that? So you think, well, doesn't that make you look kind of silly? No, you don't have to say, God bless you, you know, when they say something to you. You just, hmm, and walk on. I was once in an office where um, there was a phone conversation going on. The phone was on um, speaker. And the individual on the speaker phone did not know that there were two people in the office. And so the one individual was talking to him, and all of a sudden the person on the speakerphone started coming back with just some horrible things that he was, they were talking about, about the other person in the room. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And the first individual said, you know, I'm not going to listen to this. This is not true. And hung up the phone. And the individual that was in that room that had to listen to all those horrible things that were being said about them said, let's pray right now. And the first thing out of their mouth was, Father, do not let me take offense. And Lord, whatever is happening in that individual's life, bless them, bless them. Cancel all of those words that were spoken. That's a pretty good example of how God expects us to live our life. And the only way that you can have that kind of a quick response is to know who you are in Christ And to know that he has given you the grace to walk through life without being hurt, without being alone, without being wounded. Sure, we get hit, but there's no wound. Yeah, we get sick, but we get well. Yeah, some some months the money's tight, but we make it. Sometimes we we don't have money to buy clothes, but for whatever reason, our clothes didn't wear out for those five years. 
God will provide a way. Those are the blessings that come to us if we stay on track. Well, today, only today, so if you're listening to the podcast, it's no longer valid. (laughs) Um, Paula has Pastor's book, 10 Curses That Block the Blessing. And I'm going to continue teaching out of this, but she's offering a 20% discount if you go to the bookstore and say, Pastor Nancy was teaching, and she said, I get a, a, a discount. And if you already have the book, buy one for a gift to give away. Because there are scriptures, there are prayers, and there are stories in here. I don't tell pastor's stories. I tell my stories because that's part of my testimony. Amen? So the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony, that has the power. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every person who's here this morning. Lord, when we were going through this book... And you showed me all of the different ways that blessings are blocked. The first one you said was bad words that we speak out loud that curse ourselves and our thought life. Gossip stops the blessing. The high cost of anger, Lord. The high cost of anger and unforgiveness. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us a way that you have provided through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us to be whole. Now we put the blood of Jesus and we commit our minds to think thoughts that are godly. We put a guard on our mouth, just like the scriptures tell us. Only words of blessings will come out. We put on that breastplate of righteousness, which guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you that you put a pathway in front of us that we can walk knowing that we are blessed to be a blessing and that we can bring the love and grace of you, Heavenly Father, to everyone around us. Lord, if there be anyone in this room today or anyone listening to this podcast who has any of these issues going on in their life, Father, right now, they are internally saying to you, I confess this is sin and I give it to you, Heavenly Father. No longer do I want to operate in this arena. No longer do I want to have these thoughts or no longer do I want to respond that way. No longer do I want to be able to gossip about people, even though sometimes it feels good and the people that I talk to look like they're enjoying it. I know it's sin, Heavenly Father, and I rebuke it and I cast it down. In its place, let me speak blessings to everyone, Heavenly Father, that is around me. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have taken away this anger. Lord, I know that you take it away immediately, but it's my job and the flesh to control it. So thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're giving me new pathways, new ways to behave, new ways to talk, new ways to feel, new ways to drive, new ways to to cook, new ways to do everything in my life so that that spirit of anger does not come out. Do not let me judge others, Heavenly Father, because this walk is my walk. Do not let me preach to other people in my life, in my world, because this is my walk. This is my confession. This is what you're calling me to do. And this is what I accept. And all God's people said, amen.